0: Hello everyone and we just want to um, welcome each one of you again as you join with Kate and myself and we trust that you will be encouraged as you meet around God's Word and you hear God's Word. We just want to let you know that we do thank the Lord for each one of you that come on with us each week and we thank the Lord for our family, our friends, for our children and grandchildren and for those who are serving the Lord throughout this world. We just appreciate each one and we pray that each week that you will be encouraged and that you grow a little bit more um, in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus. good to be with you again and trust that we'll have a, a good time as we delve into a, another part of God's Word. If you've got a Bible, if you'd open it at uh, James chapter 2, going to look at verses 14 through 26 and um, we'll just look at them as we go. So in our text, James wants the, the reader, you and I, to test, to evaluate our faith, to have a good look at ourselves and he wants us to be certain that our faith is actually a, a living faith, a, a real faith, a true faith, um, so he invites the believer, you and I, to test our lifestyle by, by looking at God's word, hold it up to God's word and look at God's word and make certain that we're expressing the nature of Jesus and how Jesus would live if he, if he was here with us today. Now, James is never advocating salvation by our efforts, or by our good works, much as people may want to add that, but he's not advocating that at all. We know that our salvation is a a gift from God alone, and and Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 2 verses 8 and 9, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing, says Paul, it is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. So we're not saved by our own efforts, we're saved by what God wants to do in us. We're also aware that there's something that appears to look like faith in Christ but it doesn't lead to salvation and so it's a false faith if you want the Lord Jesus spoke these words in Matthew seven twenty one. he says not everyone who says to me Lord Lord will enter the kingdom of heaven but the one who does the will of my father who is in heaven Not everyone, that is, who claims to follow Christ actually belongs to Christ. So he's making it so clear, very clear, that there's a true faith and a false faith. Many of these dispersed Jews, to whom James is writing here, had abandoned their historical works-based Judaism to, to follow Jesus. They wanted to be followers of the risen Jesus. And unfortunately, they were now beginning to embrace a new form of thinking that um, that you could be right with God through the good works that you do, through the efforts you make that somehow could cause you to be in a right relationship with God. Uh, their faith was a, a logical approach to God. The more good things I do, then Jesus has to accept me and he has to make me right with God. Well, Pastor James then is left with no option but to correct this thinking and to um, show these believers that they're, they're confused. Notice what James writes then in verse 14 of our text. If someone says he has faith, then James, he's not suggesting here the person, uh, he never suggests the person to be a believer, but the person is portraying himself as a believer by claiming that he has faith. So James is not saying, I'll call you a believer. He's saying you're calling yourself a believer by this claim that you have faith. He goes on to refer to someone who, who claims faith, but doesn't live out their faith through their their works lifestyle by basically suggesting that they're they're not of the faith they're unsaved they're an unbeliever see james is advocating that the true believer will live out their faith will express their faith because their faith in christ is the expression as to who they actually really are so james is saying if you know jesus then you're going to live like someone who knows jesus Now, James is never suggesting that uh, the true believer can lose their salvation. Quite the opposite. James is fighting fighting against mere intellectualism as being evidence of true salvation in Christ alone. You see, James expects to see the believer produce good fruit in their life. If James sees no fruit uh, from how you and I live or how these believers live, then he considers that person to actually be an unbeliever irrespective of the fact that they make this claim to know Jesus, James is saying, I, I consider them an unbeliever. Look at Matthew 7, 16 to 18, and-, and listen to what Jesus says here. He says, you will recognize them by their fruits, as you will recognize these followers, these believers, these con- converted people, you recognize them by their fruits. He says, are grapes gathered from thorn bushes, are, are figs from th- thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit, says Jesus. Our works, if you want, are never to be the foundation, never to be the basis of our salvation, but they're very much an evidence of the fact that we have been saved, that we now belong to Christ. So James gets down to the very practical issue then of a comparison of faith and works to our speaking words of compassion without or doing acts of compassion. That's what he's talking about. He writes in verses 15 to 16 of our text, if a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in in daily food, everyday food, and and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled without giving them the things needed for the body. What good is that, says James. Let's attempt to see the seriousness Of this aspect of our our Christian living by looking at uh, another text. Let me read to you from Matthew's Gospel, chapter 25, verses 31 to 46. When the Son of Man comes, that is when Jesus comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his throne in heavenly glory. All the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right, Whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. Then they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. Now, now that's a really sobering passage. That's a very deep, serious passage when when we consider that. You see, everything that you and I do as believers has a very serious eternal impact. And James is very practical, very honest. And so he must tell it as it really is. And for this reason, he continues our text in verse 17 with these words, faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. If faith was an object and we we placed it in a room and we we come together to look at it every Sunday to sing songs about it and to raise money for a, a better room for faith, enabling faith to become more comfortable, nothing would happen except our admiration of faith. If that faith, however, had bodies taking it to the world around us, Uh, voices speaking its truth to the nations, Uh, people believing in the author of that faith to the point that they would lay down their very lives before giving up that faith, that would be something completely different. Suddenly, uh, the faith has got life to it. Suddenly, the faith can do exploits, exploits called works. Uh, The faith is a living faith, and the question Pastor James is asking Is that the faith that you actually have? Now, in verse 18, James is confident that his faith in Christ alone for salvation can be publicly proclaimed and expressed by his his works, by his actions, by his deeds. So he writes to these dispersed Jews, uh, Jewish converts saying, I will show you my faith by my works. That's how confident James is in in the Christian, in you and me, living correctly, living according to the biblical standard as directed by Jesus. He believes we can do this because we've got this living, true faith. Then in verse 19, uh, James makes an incredible statement. You believe that there is one God. Uh, This is most likely a a, a reference to the, the truth that every Jew believed taken from Deuteronomy 6, verses 4 and 5. Here's what we read there. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. Every Jew knew to live like this. So so James continues to say to them in in, in believing this, you do well. However, even the demons believe this, and even the demons tremble with their knowledge of this. So, So let me invite you to think right here. Is there something that you believe in, uh, hoping that it will somehow enable your sins to be forgiven outside of Jesus Christ alone? See, James asks this of these believers, and he asks us the same question today. Because as he claims in verse 20, he does not want any of us who profess to know Christ as Lord to live foolishly by thinking that we can have faith without works. To James, such a supposed faith is a dead faith. He expects works exploits with our faith. In verse 21, James walks us back in time, back in time to whenever Abraham offered his son Isaac as a a sacrifice to God. And that act by Abraham was a, a true reflection of his faith in God. He believed that somehow God would provide a way of escape from sacrifice for his precious son Isaac. Abraham also believed that if God chose not to provide a way of escape for Isaac, then he was still God and he was still worthy of all praise and all honor. And all this comes together for us in verse 22, as we recognize that Abraham, with Abraham and Isaac, that everything in each of their own lives, faith was working together with his works, and by works, faith was made perfect. Their, their, their confidence, their belief, Working together. So, what is God walking you through or asking you to do to complete, perfect your faith in Christ alone? What does he want to see happen in your life? Be sure that he's he's asking something because the faith he offers is a living faith, it's not dead faith. So he wants to do things that your faith becomes made known to people around you. And because of his obedience to the ways of God, Abraham is referred in scripture as a, a friend of God in verse 23. Wouldn't you love God to say that of you? Remember, God's always completely honest. So he's most likely not going to call you his friend unless you genuinely are his friend and living as his friend. Some great encouraging news news comes to us in verse 24, as we appreciate that our our being made right with God causes us to, to celebrate our being justified. Our justification, that is the, the addressing of our sin, causing us to be right in a right standing before God, and that now goes on display through the works that we do for the whole world to see and to know that we belong to Christ. And all of this is to the glory of God. People look at you, they watch you and I, and they say, He or she is a Christian because look at their works, look at their efforts. They're doing it right. And they're doing that because they have a deep seated faith that says, I belong to Christ alone. So how public, how evident is your faith in Christ? As as a clarifying point, James writes in verse 26, as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. For you and I to live, for us to be alive, we have to have a spirit within us. If there's no spirit, then then we're dead. So it is with our faith in Christ. If we have no works, if we're not doing anything for Jesus, then, then we're dead. And we do not have the saving faith in Christ alone. So let's take a moment in prayer to contemplate all of this. It's a big topic. It's a deep topic. It presses you and I to say, we need to check our lives. Have I got this saving faith from which works will be produced? I have to have that. So why don't you take a moment in prayer, and then I'll pray for us. Just take a moment and pray to the Lord assuring, uh, talking to him, being becoming certain that you have this saving faith that's causing you to do these amazing works for his glory. Take a moment in prayer. Lord, Lord you've heard your people immediately speak to you. And Lord, I just pray that anybody watching this will know you as Lord, as Savior, and will have the redemption secured in you only. And because of that, Lord, they will have this desire to, to perform works, uh, lifestyle that brings honor and glory to you. Be glorified, be praised, King Jesus, as we, your people, redeemed by your precious blood, live for your glory by the efforts and by the lifestyle that we we, we, we live out every day. Forgive us of the times we fall so short. Enable us, Lord, through your spirit to correct this and to move forward in a way that glorifies you. Bless these listeners, Lord. Encourage them, minister to them this week. Put your word in their hearts and just bless this, uh, this little thought to them today and encourage their souls. We pray this in your name and for your glory. Amen. Thanks for listening, folks, and uh, trust that you have a great week as you begin to work out your salvation practically by, by your lifestyle. Be blessed as you do that.